Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to The Happiness Quotient. It's all me. So let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. This is a special edition of the Happiness Quotient. I just had a really fantastic conversation with my good friend Andy Politz, who is minutes from the recording of this, will be leaving Everest Base Camp in Nepal for his final rotation up the mountain. I have no notes in front of me. I am going script-free to bring this as quickly as possible. Andy and I had a fantastic conversation. He dialed me from Wi-Fi at about 12.56 Nepal time, and here it was about 3 or 2.45 or 3 o'clock in the United States, New York time. I asked him a few questions. Of note, before I bring you this interview, Andy summited successfully in 1991, and he at the time was 31 years of age. I met him in 1999 on the Mallory and Irvin research expedition during which the body of George Mallory was discovered. Andy and I became forever bonded in friendship on May 16th, 1999, when together he left behind an opportunity to go for the summit, as did I, so we could go back to the remains of George Mallory and do a more thorough search for the camera that we believed Uh, George Mallory was carrying. Um, So Andy is back to the mountain 30 years after his first successful summit. When he summited in 1991, he was on the north side. He is now in Nepal. And as far as I know, this will potentially be the record for the most years between successful summits. And if it's not, I would imagine the most years between successful summits on the north and then the south of the mountain. So in my mind, he's going off to uh, make history. He's a a great friend, a wonderful man. So I want to bring you that conversation now. We talked about COVID, about the Chinese supposedly wanting to put a line of demarcation literally over the summit to separate the people with COVID from the south to from the people uh, summiting from the north in China. Um, 
asked him about how the icefall was doing, and I also wanted to know a little bit of the history and how much Everest had changed since his first expedition to Mount Everest in 1985, when things were drastically different. So here is my conversation with Andy Politz from Everest Base Camp, and by the time this episode is running live, he will be reaching the base of Crampon Point and entering the Kumbu Icefall. Here it is, my conversation with Andy Politz on May 14th, 2021. And just as a point of note, his successful summit day in 1991 was May 15th, coincidentally the same day that Rick Wilcox, Barry Rugo, Mark Ritchie, and Yves Laforet reached the summit for the New England Everest expedition in that year. And here it is. So if you summit and all things go as planned, I I can't find any information that would uh, I'm sure the the facts are out there, but you potentially would have the long the most years between successful summits of Everest of anybody in history. Would you think that would probably be accurate? I have no idea. <laughs> you don't care about records, just, do you? I, I just I figure I'd just climb Everest about every thirty years. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Hey man, it takes that long. It I think it takes that long to find people willing to actually pay us to do that. Like every 30 years somebody comes along. <laughs> no, funny people that said, "Why would I pay you that kind of money?" <laughs> Absolutely. So, um so I've probably only got you for a few minutes. Tell me what's what's it like there? How's how's the how are the conditions? Is it is the you know like the Kumbu Icefall, you know other and the COVID? You know what's it what's it like there right now? You know let me, let me just start with like foundation here. My sure. first Everest was nineteen eighty five. We're on the West Ridge, down below us in the Coom was a Norwegian team with Dick Bass mm. and Dave Brashears. <laughs> the very first guided trip on Everest. Wow. So that was 1985. So I don't even know how to do the arithmetic <laughs> at 18,000 feet. It could have been 100 years earlier. Mm. But um, wow. now I, I, I'm up in the Coombe or, or, or on the Icefall looking down at base camp, hell, there could be a thousand tents in base camp, wow. and it stretches for a mile. So, from a from a standpoint of how has Everest changed, it's been an amazing uh, mm. perspective on it. So that that's that's like the biggest thing. Mm. And then I look at the other side is this is thirty years after I first climbed Everest, mm. and. Uh, Incredible. It used to be the odd fixed wing plane, you know, for sightseeing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yesterday morning is after a summit push, a lot of successful people. There must have been 30 helicopters fly through uh, before two in the afternoon. Uh, right by my tent. 
it's just it's so different yeah it probably is the uh one of the largest industries in nepal mm. you know and I, i'm no economist i don't know what it you know what really is a strong industry in nepal yeah. but man it's got to be one of the fairly significant industry industries climbing this one mountain crazy it's amazing yeah so then on the covid and stuff you know we don't really see it because we're isolated we don't go you know visiting camps like you used to mm-hmm. um we've seen it we sent a guy out yesterday um mm. then we sent a guy out with pulmonary edema a few days ago um you know typical pulm illnesses but the guy with covid with us we had no idea where it came from mm-hmm. nobody else has gotten sick mm. so it's a really strange deal yeah um the ice fall is I re- when I was here in 93 with Alpine Ascents, um, there were pretty big ladders, big yeah. horizontal, classic 20, 30 foot ladders. And we're not seeing a lot of ladders. You know, there's the odd couple piece ladder that's, you know, two eight foot pieces tied together. Yeah. Um, the route is relatively stable. You know, so it's not a not a big deal, but yeah. certainly people have been hurt in the ice fall and collapses this year. Mm. Um, hmm. And I I walked through a collapse right after it had been cleaned up and the route kicked back in, and I saw a lot of sharp, crisp edged blocks, mm. and it just it just kind of haunted me that night when I got down. Yeah. And realized, you know, it it could have been me in there. Mm. We never know when our number's up. Mm. And, you know, that's one thing the ice falls good for you. <laughs> it helps you get a grasp on your mortality and, mm. and the bigger picture of how you're going to live your life. Mm. You never know when this life's over and how you're going to live it. Mm. Wow, man. And so, it, it's yeah. going to spook me. So I decided I want to get a great picture of a bunch of really sharp, fresh collapse mm-hmm. ice blocks. And you know what? Yeah. I'll go the rest of this trip. I'll be able to find one. I'll be <laughs> happy with that. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, so you are right now, you said you're in the Kumbu now, like you're in the ice fall, like at 18,000 feet. So there, you're obviously getting a phone signal up there, a Wi-Fi signal. Well, we're, yeah, I'm working on a Wi-Fi signal on WhatsApp and it's a little broken. I think I got your question. I'm up, up at Kum at Everest Base Camp. Oh, gotcha. And I'll be uh, walking uphill today for our summit rotation. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, we've yeah. got some weather about the 20th in about four or five, six days, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to sneak in there and sneak out. We don't do any conquering here. Yes, absolutely, right. Hey, so here's here's a little thing to keep an eye out for that I think that might be interesting, and I'd love to 
share it is when so when I was there in 2016, uh, my main Sherpa who I summited with um, above Camp Two, before you get to the steep part, maybe halfway there, there's a massive boulder on the left side of the trail. At least it was when we were there. And he pointed it out to me and he said, that fell down from the Hillary step. And I never took a picture of it. And it has haunted me ever since. And it could be the Hillary step right that you walk right by. So keep an eye out for that. I will. That's interesting. Because you know what else is uh, our Sherpas have been going around fixing a lot of stuff here. And they pulled out a drill, a Hilti gun. You know, like for bolting routes, industrial bolting. Yeah. <laughs> and they said they went up and they bolted the Hillary step and bolted uh, several other Geneva Spurs, you know, wow. the balcony or whatever it was. They, they just put good anchors in and made it more efficient. Mm. Well, I is. thought the Hillary step fell down, so I'm curious to see what it looks like. Yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty easy. Rock, I'll get you a picture of it. Yeah, it's it's huge. You can't miss it. And uh, I mean, well, I suppose you could. There's a lot of big things around there. But um, wow, it melted in by now. It, it might be. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty amazing. So, Andy, how old are you now? And how do you feel compared to the last time you gave it a shot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Todd, I'm 61, nice. and I'll tell you, it's a lot harder. But you know, every every 10 years, you get more distracted by work and yeah. life, yeah. and it's harder to to take four hours a day train. Mm. So, you know, that's that's clearly the problem. But you know, the leg I broke in the avalanche we were in, and, yeah. and, and uh, it's working good. And, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's harder, but I'm doing okay. I'm not the fast guy, that's for sure. <laughs> Never have been, but right. um, I'm pretty, pretty happy that at 60 I can walk uphill. Amazing. Amazing. Anywhere. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I just remember that first time after going up to Camp Three. And our goal for the day was to get to the Geneva Spur, so maybe not quite 25,500 or 26,000 feet, and just crawling on my hands and knees and stopping below the yellow band and just going, I think this is good for today, and thinking, I am never going to climb this mountain. (laughs) No, this is so damn big. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so before I let you go quick, uh, just, and I'm not looking for political commentary, but what is the talk out there about the Chinese putting a, a COVID line on the summit of Everest to keep the South from the North? <laughs> well, you're the first one. The first place I heard that. Yeah. So I've not heard anything. It's not like we were walking around base camp talking to people. Yeah. Everybody's kind of staying, holding tight. You know, the first COVID or two people that 
sailed out of here uh, early on in the trip. Yeah. That sort of brought everybody there paying attention. Right on. Right. So it's it's but it's laughable, and then COVID, <sighs> you can't get it outside. Yeah. You know, you really, I, I, I don't believe you can. Right. And you think with an oxygen mask on and all that high altitude business going yeah. on, you're going to pass on COVID. And you think if you have COVID, you can make the top of Mount Everest. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I haven't heard about it. But can't believe anybody do it. When yeah, you do I, chain link fence up there. <laughs> that, it might happen someday. The, um, hey, so the border is uh, supposed to be 500 meters wide. Wow. Huh. Oh, so anybody at the top is in some no man's zone anyway. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you summited in '91, you were on the north side, right? Right. Yeah. And I uh, looked down and saw a guy coming up the other side. It was at the Easter's buddy <laughs> from Mount Rainier. So that's a good story. Front running into him up there. Wow. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, amazing. Um well listen, so you leave base camp in how it it I as I look at it, it's about twelve fifty six AM at Everest Base Camp in Nepal right now, and you are leaving base camp literally in a few minutes? No, I'll leave it to get up. I'm going to call Tom Pollard and call <laughs> my wife and nice. just make a couple calls while um, not too much traffic on the internet, interweb here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, go for a walk. Well, my brother, I wish you nothing but the most amazing and wondrous successes. And in four or five days or six days, I will be awaiting news of how you all did. And I have no doubt you are going to have a wondrous time. And hopefully we can check back in when you get back down, even if we have to wait till you're in Kathmandu and maybe have a longer chat. But I am thrilled beyond words uh, just how awesome it is talking to you buddy really good man me too Kathmandu is in hardcore damn near military lockdown mm. so we don't know mm. if we're going to be flying out or not the mm. uh, state department rumor has it the state department is uh, organizing a charter flight mm. to Get some Americans out of Kathmandu. Wow. And I don't know what's going to happen yet now. It may be seven years in Tibet while I'm doing <laughs> maybe a remake of the movie. Hey, well, you could you could do seven years in Lukla and just go to the Irish pub and drink beer every night. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, or I could hop a, put a rowboat in a river and row down to the ocean and just row home. <laughs> I'll I'll be waiting for you. I'll, I'll hire a boat and pick you up. <laughs> I figure I figure you've got to come up with some <laughs> the old sea tomato. <laughs> <laughs> totally, <laughs> one of those things. Oh boy, awesome right, man! Hey, have a We're have a gr- to you. Um, it, yeah. If not sooner, we'll we'll uh, talk in cat or 
Uh, maybe we'll just have a quick talk after this rotation's over. Absolutely. Safe travels, my man. Kick some ass up there. Always thinking about you. Thanks, man. Peace out, brother. Thanks, man. We'll you see you. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. I have goosebumps talking to to the man. Talking to the man. Andy Politz and I have been through a lot together in the mountains, and I'm truly overwhelmed with emotion and uh, excitement for my friend. He's 61 years old. He summited Mount Everest from the north side in 1991, 30 years ago. And he's returning He's leaving in an hour to head up into the icefall to go for his hoped-for second ascent of Everest 30 years apart and on the other side of the mountain. I, I, that's got to be some kind of a record. He hasn't, done, he hasn't done it yet, but he's an amazing human being. Um, one of the most incredible days of my life was spent with him, uh, May 16th, 1999, when we visited George Mallory's remains. And then also we were caught in a nearly tragic avalanche in, on Mount Washington in 2013. And the best of luck to Andy and his team and all the people attempting to climb the mountain this year. I wish him and all of those men and women there the very best of successes and safety and their safe return not only to base camp, but back home to their families who are all eagerly awaiting word on how things went up the mountain. Thank you to the Wood Brothers and their management for the use of the song Happiness Jones for our theme song and Kevin Calabro for helping make it all happen. I wanted to remind you that you can get a free downloadable PDF of the Happiness Quotients, A Course in Happiness. Visit me at patreon.com slash thehappinessquotient. I will be making some additions to A Course in Happiness based on some recent conversations now, not only with Andy Politz, but David Vobora, a wonderful conversation. I had in episode number 79. Please look in the show notes for links to where you can find out more about Mount Everest and also look where you can find amazing recent episodes with David Vobora and Elizabeth Sharp Maqueda, my two most recent interviews. If you want to find out more information about me, to inquire about personal coaching, public speaking in person, or virtually, find me at eyesopenproductions.com. And you can write me anytime at tom.dharma.pollard at gmail.com. Remember that which we most want to find can be discovered in the place where we least want to look. Fear has a funny way of making dark places seem very, very scary. The deeper and the darker the well, 
the brighter the light we will discover if we have the courage to face it and go there. Don't curse the dark cloud, the rain inside. May very well turn your garden green. Thank you for visiting the Happiness Quotient. I will see you all real soon. Words I wrote in the storm to rock my boat. Oh, I was stuck in my throat when I was happy. And all of those songs I was singing, hey, why my boat was sinking. And next thing I'm thinking, I'm happy. I might as well change my name to happiness, Jones, my friend. Happiness Jones Oh, oh, oh Yeah, we're happy, happy, happy Happiness Jones Happy, happy, happy Happiness Jones Yeah, happy, happy, happy If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.